So grateful um, to be here this morning. Like Keith said, my name is Phil, one of the pastors at City Light Fort Collins, and uh, it really is a, a joy and a privilege uh, to be with you this morning. It's been a joy uh, to walk with Keith over the last couple of years to see God bring this whole thing together, to see you here today worshiping Jesus, coming together uh, to be about his mission. And uh, so uh, again, it's such an honor and a joy to bring you the word of God today and and to be part of this vision and mission and rhythm series. Uh, John talked about the vision of this church last week and it should be up on the screen. The vision is to glorify God by multiplying disciples and churches to reach the next generation. Now, why is that so important? The Bible says that vision matters. In Proverbs 29:18, it says, without a vision, the people perish or they cast off restraint. When you don't know like where you're going and you don't have clear direction for the future, it can get confusing. And that's why I love that your pastors in this church, you guys have such a clear vision of where you're going. It's not just about this one's church, but it's about multiplication. The multiplication of disciples, the multiplication of churches, and it's about helping the next generation, right? Leverage their lives for Christ and his kingdom. Now this morning, I get to talk about the mission to make disciples that love Jesus and love others. That's the mission of the church to make disciples that love Jesus and love others. And Salt Church, that is how you are actually going to fulfill this God-given vision, right? It's gonna be through uh, this mandate that God has given us to make disciples. This is not just some creative vision or mission statement that your pastors came up with. This is not a man-made mission. This is a God-given mission, and this should be true for every church and every Christian And I want to show you that from the Bible uh, this morning. And I love that God makes it so simple and clear. God does not overcomplicate things. Now, here's what a mission statement is. It's a short description of the purpose of a group of people that defines their culture, their values, and their goals. So mission has to do with purpose. It has to do with purpose, and it really helps answer the question for you of what am I living my life for? What am I doing with my time and my talents and my treasures? Now, personally, I grew up in a religious home, and I was like the good, self-righteous, religious kid. On the outside, I looked like I had everything together, I was the good student, I was the good athlete, I was, uh, I was the good Christian kid who went to church Sundays and Wednesdays, and I had verses memorized, right? So on the outside, it looked like every, everything I had together, it was all there. But on the inside, I was broken, I was weak, I was hurting, and I needed something. But I was trying so hard to earn God's favor to present a resume to God that I thought that would be good enough for him. And then I went off to college at New Mexico State and I got involved in a college ministry, much like the one that's part of this church, Salt Company here at UNC. And God got a hold of my life because what I saw and observed was very different from the religion that I grew up in. I saw people that loved Jesus, that loved his word, that loved others that love the lost. And I was drawn in to this community and I experienced God's grace 
for the very first time. And I understood that I could never achieve my salvation, but salvation was a gift that I had to receive, not based on what I had done, but based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen, his life, his death, his resurrection. And so it was 2002, freshman in college, and I remember the moment like it was yesterday, I was standing in my dorm room, and I just had uh, kind of this flood of emotion come over me because it was this light bulb moment, this aha moment of the gospel, that I was free in Christ, that the guilt and the shame were gone, and it absolutely changed my life. It changed the way that I viewed God. It changed the way that I lived for God. It changed the purposes that I lived for. It changed my purpose. And the reason that I want to talk about purpose today is it ties in to this mission to make disciples that love God and love others. And listen, that's, that should be the purpose of all of our lives, to make disciples that love God and love others. You know, the truth is that nobody likes it when something does not fulfill its created purpose. Like, have you ever gotten a battle with a printer before? You ever been there? It's frustrating, right? When it doesn't fulfill its intended purpose. I've wanted to take some printers out to the middle of the nowhere, nowhere and take a baseball bat to them. I don't know. Maybe some of you have done that. Think about the internet. Like when you're trying to watch a movie or stream a show and then you get the buffering symbol. It's frustrating, right? Or maybe for you, you're a homeowner and you've tried to put the, the fertilizer down, the weed killer, and it doesn't work and more weeds come back. It's frustrating, right? Or you put the dishes in the dishwasher and you open it up and they're not clean and you've got to wash them by hand. It's frustrating, right? I'll share one more example. My uh, 11-year-old Elise, by the way, I have uh, four daughters. Um, actually added a fifth because we started hosting an international student from China this last September. So that's my life, just so you know. Like I'm surrounded by women. It's me, my wife, and five daughters, okay? And I have one puppy who's a male, so I'm never going to even the scorecard, so I just invite you to pray for me. I don't know what it is with pastors and having four daughters. John has four daughters. Keith managed to have a son. That's good for you, Keith. Amazing. <laughs> but um, it's, that's my life. Anyway, back to the story. So my, my 11-year-old Elise, she loves camping. She loves hiking. She loves uh, all this outdoor stuff. And uh, a few months ago, she really wanted to buy this tent with her own money at Sierra. It's $40 and it's a water resistant tent. And so you're looking at the box, water resistant. Okay, that's awesome. Let's buy the spray too, so we can make sure that no water leaks in. We get it home, she sets up the tent and I let her sleep in the tent by herself in our backyard. And guess what happens? The rains come pouring down and she comes in soaking wet, like the, the tent did not fulfill its created purpose. And so the, the point is, and the reason I share that all, all of those examples with you is this, it's frustrating when things do not fulfill their created purpose. And in the same way, it frustrates God when the church does not fulfill its God-given purpose. It frustrates God. And so that's why this message matters for us so much this morning. This is not just a, a message on the mission of the church. 
This is a message on the mission of your lives. For you to think about like, what are you actually living for? This group of people coming together to make an impact on the city and on the campus for Christ. And so as we look at this mission statement to make disciples that love God and love others, I just wanna take us to the Bible. And I wanna show you what Jesus has to say about what this looks like. And what we're gonna really see is that in order to live out this mission statement, it's going to require obedience to the great commandment and to the great commission. That's what I'm gonna talk about this morning. And I'm gonna talk about the second part of this mission statement first, because I want you to see that the great commandment actually fuels the great commission. The great commandment actually fuels the great commission. In other words, the mandate to make disciples of Jesus Christ is motivated by a love for God and a love for others. So how do you live out this mission statement? You walk in obedience to the great commandment and the great commission. So those are the two things we're gonna look at. So number one, what does it look like to obey the great commandment? And if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn there, Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. It says this, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So here's what is happening. A religious leader asked Jesus, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. So the religious leaders would have been very familiar with this command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's what Jesus says. And the second thing he says is to love your neighbor as yourself. And what I love about verse 40 is that Jesus says all, right? You know what that means in the original language? All. All. All means all. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God. Love others. If you didn't know this, there are over 600 commandments in the Old Testament. It's not just the Ten Commandments. There's 600. What Jesus is saying is this, these two things are the most important things that you can do. Love God and love others. Everything else falls underneath that. But what does it look like to love God and then love others? And I want to simplify this for you this morning because I really think that if this can really sink into your hearts, it will change you. And it will allow you to live out this mission to make disciples that love God and love others. But it starts with loving God first. Keith and I were down in Georgia this last week at a church planner orientation. And uh, one of the pastors was speaking and he shared this, this quote I wanna share with you. It was really powerful. And it's not just for pastors. It's not just for ministry leaders. It's for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ. And he says this, God's primary call should be up on the screen. On your life is not ministry. It's intimacy. 
God's primary call on your life is not ministry, it's intimacy. Now, as Christians, we've all got to understand that God calls us to a life of ministry. Ministry is not just for the paid professionals. It's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the teachers and the preachers and the missionaries that go overseas. Ministry is something that we're all called to as Christians. But the primary call on our lives as Christians is intimacy with our Heavenly Father. Often, though, we get it backwards, right? Because we can have a lot of activity for God and we can lack intimacy with God. But our intimacy must precede our activity. That's why I'm talking about the greatest commandment first, the great commandment. Because when intimacy is first in our lives, what's gonna happen? Our lives will be overflowing with a love for others and a passion to make disciples. See, when we lack intimacy, we can do a lot of activity for God, but if it's not marked by love, what does the Bible say? First Corinthians chapter 13. You can prophesy in my name. You can preach in my name. You can give away a lot of things and you can be generous and you can show up and do all these things in my name, but if there's not any love, it's meaningless. It's a noisy gong and a clangy cymbal. And so I just want you to assess your heart this morning and just ask yourself, could it be that you might have it backwards? Like, really think about that. Is your, act, is your activity for God eliminating your intimacy with God? Intimacy has to come first. Now, how do we do that? By loving God through his word and through prayer. That's how simple I want to make it today. And you might be sitting there like, really? That's all you got for me? You're going to tell me to read the Bible more and pray more? And I will say yes. I am because that's where you're going to experience intimacy with God because without prayer and the word, we are powerless. And let me illustrate this, why it's so important. There was a documentary that came out in 2004 in this movie called Supersize Me. You guys ever seen that? Anybody ever seen that movie? Okay, there's a few people. It's about a guy who decided to eat McDonald's for 30 days straight for every meal. Now, can you imagine that? breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The, the impact that it had on his life was absolutely horrible. Within a week, he was experiencing depression and lack of energy and headaches. And overall, it had a, a drastic effect on his physical and psychological well-being. Now, I share all that to say this. What you consume matters. What you consume matters because what you consume impacts your heart and impacts your soul. It impacts your mind. And I, I, I don't know most of you, but I could tell you what you love the most by just observing your life, by taking a little peek under the hood and saying, man, where do you spend most of your time? What are the things that you think about the most? Your heart, your mind, and your soul will be impacted by what you look at by what you engage in, by what you watch, by what you scroll through on social media, all of that matters. And it has an impact on who you believe you are and the purposes for which you live for. Listen, loving God has to start with word, the word and prayer. 
Because without the word and without prayer, we are powerless. We're powerless without the word and without prayer. So let's talk about those two things, the word. Now, if you're going to, to love God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind, you've got to start with this. You've got to start with the Bible. Think about this. How can you truly love God if you're not getting to know him in his word? His word is the primary place we get to know who God is. We learn about his character. We learn about his desires and his design for our lives. So loving God means you have a steady diet of God's word, not just once a week, not just here on Sundays. That is the place to do that. But it also means we're doing it throughout the week as followers of Jesus. We're learning what it means to know God through his word. So just a personal challenge for some of you. This might mean for some of you that you need to daily commit to be in God's word, 10 to 15 minutes a day. Maybe it's a, a chapter a day. Maybe it's a, a few verses, a, a phrase that you're dwelling on, that you're meditating on, that you're allowing it to, to shape who you are and how you live your lives. For others of you, maybe you're just getting started in your spiritual journey, right? Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you're just exploring this, this but this is how you get to know God. So uh, maybe it's not every day. Maybe a personal challenge for you is to say, okay, I'm gonna commit to spending two to three times a week in the word of God. And I'm gonna ask others for help to help me understand what this means and how I get to know God through his word. It's gonna look a little bit different for everybody, but the hope and the prayer is that everyone is consuming, right? Consuming the word of God on a consistent basis so you can actually live in and lean in to God's great commandment. Now I'll say this, we don't read the word just to read the word. And I think a lot of us, a lot of followers of Jesus, I've been there before. It's like, man, I'm just trying to check a box. I'm trying to fulfill this thing. And I'm trying to just say that I did it, right? But it's not just to check a box. We read God's word to get to know God more. And when we get to know God more, what that leads to is obedience to living out what it says. And I wanna share a couple of verses with you. John 14, 15 spells it out pretty clearly. It says this, if you love God, here's what's true. If you love me, Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You will keep my commandments. He's saying, you will walk in my ways. If there's a genuine love for me, it will overflow in obedience and walking according to my word. Psalm 1 says this about the person who regularly is consistently in the word of God. I love these verses, verses one through three. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in what? In the law of the Lord. It's talking about the word of God. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all he does, he prospers. This is the type of person who delights in the Lord. He meditates on his law day and night. He's continually being shaped and formed by the word of God. So loving God starts with the word, but it also continues with consistent prayer. Now, the word is God's primary way that he communicates to us. Prayer 
is the primary way that we communicate back to God. It's how we respond to God. I love what Tim Keller says about prayer. This is how he defines prayer. It's a communicative response to the knowledge of God. You grow in the knowledge of God through his word. And as you do that, you begin to grow in your response in prayer because you're coming back to God and you're praising him and thanking him and and coming before him in awe and reverence, but also bringing your supplications and your prayer requests before him. So let's talk about prayer. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, what this doesn't say is only pray when things get hard. Only pray when you face a crisis in your life or you're going through a difficulty or you're meeting a crossroads. Now, of course, we're gonna pray in those moments But this says, in everything, pray, everything. Why do we need to do that? Because prayer demonstrates our dependence on God and it shows us, man, we need God in our lives. We need God to show up every single day. I love the story of uh, some of the Salt Company staff here that are part of your church that decided, hey, we're gonna get up early every day for about 30 days, and we're going to pray. And they decided, you know what, we're going to come together at 5.30 in the morning. And this was before uh, the Salt Company launched uh, on a Tuesday back in August. This is before UNC started classes. And they did that, and they prayed. And they they called it the hour of prayer at the ungodly hour, right? 5.30. That is an ungodly hour. I'll admit that. But it's a small, a small group of people just started showing up and praying and asking God. And you know what happened on day one of the Salt Company launch on this campus at UNC? I'll tell you what happened. God answered prayer. God answered prayer. 150 students showed up. That's incredible, by the way. To have your very first college ministry on a new campus in a new city, It's amazing, right? God is doing some amazing things through the prayers of some people at an ungodly hour, okay? Praise God for that. But really practically, I just wanna encourage all of you to lean into this. What does it mean to love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul? I just wanna encourage you with this, to get into the word consistently, to pray consistently, study God's word, meditate on it, memorize it, pray it, and talk to God and let him talk to you. And that's the primary way that you're going to love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. And so I talked about the first part of the commandment. Now I want to spend some time talking about the second part of the commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus literally says to love your neighbor. So who is your neighbor? How do you know? Is your neighbor everybody? Is your neighbor the whole world? I mean, the Bible is clear. Yes, we're called to love all people. But what does Jesus say in the great commandment? It doesn't say, and love everyone like you love yourselves. Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So he gets very specific. And I think oftentimes as Christians, we want to generalize this statement. And in generalizing the statement to love everyone, 
we fail to get really specific and intentionally love our neighbor. Does that make sense? But Jesus says, love your neighbor. So I think we should really take that to heart. What does it actually mean to love our neighbors and who are our neighbors? So I wanna help give some definition to who those people are. Your neighbors are the people that you live next to, sit next to, and daily cross paths with. The people that you live next to, you sit next to, and daily cross paths with. And so I wanna ask you this morning, who are those people in your lives? Like, are you moving toward them or are you trying to avoid them? Jesus says, love them. So that requires intentionality. It means you get over your own pride. It means you sacrifice your time. It means you get over your fear and you move toward people with the love of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus loved us first so that we can love others. And you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at how many people just simply need an invitation into something. My wife and I moved into our neighborhood a few years ago and we were praying, God, give us opportunities to love those around us. Give us opportunities to really practically love our neighbors. And we started doing that. We've seen God answer prayer, a simple invitation to our immediate next door neighbors, Savannah and Dalton. And it's a messy, broken situation. Like he's divorced, he has two kids. They've, they live together. And now they have a, a son recently. But you know what's happened? We've had them over for dinner and we've built relationship with them. We've built trust with them. We've invited them to church and they've come several times and God is using that invitation and God is working in their lives. That's just one example of how you can practically love those around you, to love your neighbor. Another way we've done that, my wife and I, we've helped coach our kids' sports my wife helps with uh, middle school girls basketball. I've helped coach soccer for my youngest the last two years. And we intentionally moved toward those families uh, and those, those, those kids and their parents. And we've seen God move. Now, I don't know what the next step is for you. Maybe for you, you simply need to learn somebody's name. Like you know their face, you see them walk down the hallway, you see them next door but you don't know their name. Maybe for you, the first thing that you need to do is just simply learn their name. Maybe for you, you need to learn something about them. You need to intentionally show them that you care about them, to ask questions, to listen. Maybe for some of you, it's just showing compassion and care, helping meet a real need, demonstrating love. We all know it's gonna snow, right, at some point. It already has snowed once, it's coming. You're gonna to have to shovel, right? If you're a homeowner, what if you didn't just shovel your own driveway? What if you decided to shovel your neighbor's driveway just to be a blessing to them, to show the love of Christ to them? That's some, those are some practical ways. But loving others means that we take on the heart of Jesus for those whom he has placed in our lives. So, so, so think about that. Who, who do you live next to and sit next to and daily cross paths with? Will you pray for an opportunity to serve them and love on them this week? Now, loving others doesn't mean we love only those outside the church. In fact, the Bible tells us to love those inside the church first. And we don't love just because we want this really fun, enjoyable community. Listen, love is actually the roadmap for mission. 
Love is the roadmap for mission. So if we don't have a love for each other amongst the church, amongst ourselves, it will become increasingly more difficult to make disciples and to live on mission for Jesus. And Jesus says this in John 13, 35. He told his disciples this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so that means we love our brothers and sisters in Christ with, the lo- with Christ's love. It means we say no to selfish ambition. It means we say no to vain conceit. It means we say no to only thinking about our own interests and we say yes to other people. We say yes to humility. We say yes to putting others' interests and needs above our own. And we love those who are like us and we love those who are different from us because it's the love of Jesus Christ that's going to unite us together around the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, that a community that is loving each other in this way is an attractive community and is a compelling community. And it's a witness to the watching world. See, love has to be foundational to the church. And that's why it's built in to your mission statement as a church, to make disciples that love God and love others. Now listen, when you love God and you love others, when you seek intimacy first before activity, when you put others ahead of yourselves, that is when you are going to put yourself in a position as a church to make a big impact for Christ. Amen? To make disciples who are going to make disciples who are going to make disciples that love God and love others. So I talked about the first point, to obey the great commandment. The second point is this, to obey the great commission. We see Jesus continue uh, with this great commission in Matthew uh, chapter 28. Verses 18 through 20 should be up on the screen. It says this, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. This is the imperative. This is the command. This is what God has called all of us to do. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I'll be honest with you, I've met a few Christians that I've sat across from, whether it was coffee or meal or whatever, and, and they, they genuinely think that making disciples is not the primary purpose of the church. And they don't think that this verse that's in the Bible applies to them. And you know what I've told them? I just said, you're wrong. Okay, and biblically, I don't know how you could get there. Listen, this great commission that Jesus gives us is not just a commission for the 12 apostles. This is the mission of every, should be the mission of every church and every follower of Jesus. It's not just the great suggestion. It's the great commission. See, something I think, something that we think is assumed often But I've been to a lot of different churches and we can't assume anything. There are a lot of churches out there that are not really seeking to make disciples. They've grown ancillary. They're thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about the advancement of the kingdom of God and making disciples in every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And instead of being a hospital for sinners, they become a museum of saints for a few 
May that never be true of our churches. Now, I'm thankful that you have pastors that understand that God's mission is right here, so clearly laid out in scriptures to make disciples. And that's why it's part of the mission statement of the church. And just so you know, you guys have some amazing pastors here at Salt Church. John and Keith, incredible leaders, incredibly godly men. They love their, their wives. They love their families. They love Jesus. And I love these men so much. And I'm thankful that they have taken massive steps of faith to make disciples right here in Greeley and on this campus. Anybody else thankful for them? If you are, can you just like put your hands together? Keith, uh, Keith shared a little bit of the story, but I want to share a little bit more in detail. I remember meeting Keith. This was spring 2019. And me and my wife and my co-lead, Pastor Andrew and his wife, were visiting Fort Collins for the very first time. And it was our initial vision trip. And we we're praying. We're discerning. We're asking, God, are you in this? Are you calling us to plant a church in Fort Collins, Colorado? And we got connected to Keith. And I remember we sat down with, with him and his wife, Beth, at a coffee shop. And we're just getting, getting to know each other. And I, all I could do was share the vision with Keith. I said, man, we feel like God's called us to not just plant one church, but to see a movement of church planting in Colorado and the nations through reaching the next generation. Now, Keith was serving as a youth pastor at another church. And I said, maybe, maybe God is calling you to plant a church. And if he is, would you pray? Would you consider the potential of you coming on our staff as a church planting resident? And I didn't have anything to offer Keith. We weren't even a church yet. We were just on a vision trip. We didn't even know if God was going to call us to go. And so, and so it was like basically saying, hey, we have this vision, but we have no salary and no health benefits and nothing to offer you. Would you say yes? Great vision, right? <laughs> and yet it was amazing to see Keith and Beth pray over the course of the next year and say yes. Say yes to a church planning residency to come on our staff team for, for two years. And so basically City Light Church in Fort Collins planted pregnant, ready. We were ready to send Keith, but we didn't know. We didn't know where he was going. We didn't know who he was going with. We didn't know that who the co-lead pastor was gonna be. We didn't know the team that God was gonna raise up, but God did because he was sovereign and he is sovereign over this whole thing. And I praise God for the work that he's done through a simple step of faith. Keith partnering with John, God raising up a team of people, God raising up about 20 people sent out from Fort Collins to be part of this church. And I just counted a great joy and a privilege that I get to be with you today because I, what I get to see and what I get to celebrate is that disciples are being made. Praise God baptisms are happening. If you were here last week, there were 13 baptisms. You guys can celebrate that. You can clap. That's amazing. People going from death to life, from darkness to light to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what this whole thing is about. Now, why is this happening? Why is this church here? You are here because the faithfulness of those who have gone before you. And I don't share that so we can just honor those who go before us. 
That's not why I'm sharing this. I share that because I can't wait. I can't wait to see the future churches that are planted out of this church, out of Salt Church, where stories are shared are about a few people who might even be here today. They're gonna be obedient to go. Make disciples in a new community, on a new campus, in a new area for King Jesus. See, making disciples has a multiplication effect. It's a multiplicative effect. You begin to make disciples that love God and love others, that make disciples that love God and love others, and make disciples that love God and love others. And guess what happens? More lives are changed. New churches are planted and it becomes churches, planting churches, planting churches and the advancement of the kingdom moves forward. Listen, it is a beautiful thing to be a part of something that is much bigger than yourselves. I think that's something that we all long for, right? We long to be part of something that is bigger than ourselves, to have greater meaning, to have greater purpose in this life. And I just wanna let you know, you are a part of two amazing networks of churches, the City Light family of churches and the Salt Network of churches. But you know what those networks do? They pale in comparison to being part of the kingdom of God. We are part of the kingdom of God and God is on the move and he's bringing his kingdom here in this city and on the campus and all over the world. And we get to be a part of that. And I just wanna let you know that I really believe that God is doing something special here in Greeley. And so I celebrate that, but I also wanna encourage you as a church that I really believe that God is just getting started. That I really believe that God wants to use each and every one of you. That I believe God is inviting you to participate in this mission to make disciples that love God and love others. And I really believe that God will call some of you to go to new places to help plant new churches in the future. And maybe in different places in Colorado, maybe in different places around the nation, maybe in different places around the world. God is just getting started with what he wants to accomplish and who he wants to send from Colorado. Now, here's what I know is 100% true. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that God calls you now He calls you now to go to your neighbor, to your networks, to your workplace, to your classroom, to your neighbor down the the hall in your dorm. He calls you to go with the hope of Jesus Christ to shine his lights in this dark world, to make disciples of Jesus. And making disciples means you are helping people love God, and love others in the same way that you are loving God and loving others. And so, yeah, it happens here on Sundays. It happens on Tuesday nights. It happens in home groups and connection groups. It happens in discipleship groups. It should be happening day in and day out as you seek to follow Jesus Christ. But listen, this is really important. Your discipleship of others is only going to go as far as your love for God and others goes. I'll say that again. Your discipleship is only going to go as far as your love for God and others goes. So as your love for God and others grows, what's going to happen? Your discipleship into the lives of others and your investment in the lives of others for the kingdom of God is going to grow and you're gonna have a greater impact. So 
Here's the good news that I want to leave you with. And I'll close with this. We have these truths from Jesus and his great commission, truths that we can cling to. And Jesus starts off the great commission by saying, man, I have all authority. All authority has been given to me. So Jesus has all authority. Number two, Jesus says at the end of the great commission, he's like, I am always going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you. I will always be with you to the very end of the age. So know that this mission is not a mission that where we go alone in our own power, our own strength. No, we go in the power in the name of Jesus Christ. So I want you to cling to those truths. It's ultimately not up to you. Jesus is going to do the work and we have, can have confidence in those truths. And we can have confidence that Jesus was the perfect commandment keeper even when we broke the commandments. He first kept that commandment perfectly to love God and love others. And guess what? Jesus was the first one commissioned by God and sent to us to save us from our sin, to go to the cross. And he loved us so much that he gave up his one and only son to be in right relationship with him. So listen, Jesus was on mission far before we ever were to come and reconcile a bunch of sinners to himself. But God wants all of us to join him in this mission. In fact, as our Savior and Lord, as the King of Kings, he commands us to join in, to make disciples that love God and love others. And the truth is, Jesus is going to accomplish this mission with or without us. And so the question that you've got to ask yourself is this, will I miss out? Will I miss out on the greatest purpose that I could ever live for? And do you really want to be a part of this mission to make disciples knowing that Jesus is on your side, knowing that he is going to fulfill it, that he is going to work? So Salt Church, I hope that you see this whole series, this vision, mission, rhythm series. I hope that you see this as an opportunity and a challenge, an opportunity to celebrate all that God is doing. It's amazing to see what God is doing. This church publicly launched in February. And look at the growth that God has provided. Look at the stories of salvation and the baptisms and the groups that are getting launched and the people that are being impacted. It's amazing. It's an opportunity to recognize that and celebrate and recognize the exciting vision and the mission that is in front of you. But it's also a challenge, a challenge to lean in to God's purpose for you in a greater way to really ask yourself the question, where is my love for God and my love for others? And how am I part of this mission to make disciples here in Greeley and on the campus of UNC? Because it's both about the community and the campus. And so I want you to consider, what is your next step? What is your next step? Is it learning somebody's name? Is it prioritizing more time in the word and in prayer, so you, experience it, you, you start to experience a greater intimacy with God that will overflow in activity for the kingdom of God? Is it praying about discipleship and thinking about, man, who is God calling me to invest in, to pour into, to disciple? Or maybe God is putting somebody on your heart to invite into your life to say, man, I need growth. I need to know what it means to really be a follower of Jesus Christ. Will you disciple me? Will you pour into me? Will you show me what it means to follow Jesus and live according to his word and the great commandment and the great commission? But my prayer 
is that as a church, you would always live into this mission and live out this mission to make disciples, to love God and love others. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Salt Church here in Greeley. God, I'm just so excited for the plans that you have for your church. And God, I pray that, uh, God, that we would love you with all of our hearts, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and everything else would flow from that love that comes from you. Thank you that you first loved us. Thank you that your son Jesus was sent to us first. Thank you that we get to remember the gospel to know that it's not by our achievement. It's not by presenting a resume that's good enough for you. It's simply by the grace of Jesus Christ. So God, none of us are perfect. We all fall short. None of us can live out this commandment, these commandments perfectly. And yet your son Jesus did it for us so we could be in right relationship with you. So God, we worship you. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. And I just pray over this church. I really believe that you're just getting started. So use every single person in this room to make a big impact for your kingdom here and Greeley and on this campus and beyond. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.